0: No, thank you so much for uh, allocating some time in your busy schedule. I imagine you're very busy at the moment.
1: Yes, I uh, I mean usually it's it's work related. Reason I'm 10 minutes late is I was at the grocery
0: store. <laughs> hey, that's very important business.
1: Yeah, very very rock and roll.
0: <laughs> it depends what you bought though.
1: Well, I bought stuff to cook dinner, so also domesticated very rock and roll.
0: Does your shopping habits change from, you know, being at home and then on the road? In terms of what you eat, you know, and what you cook?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't shop on the road at all. <laughs> I you know, I just eat, you know, whatever is put in front of me. <laughs> uh, it's it's also different at home. My son has a severe food allergy. So it's also very particular, like what we can and can't get as well. So yeah, when I'm on the road, it's kind of like if I'm not if I'm traveling by myself, then it's no holds bar. I can basically eat anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Well, I hear you'll be doing a lot of touring. Soon, actually, but we'll get into that in a minute because you have quite a lot going on. I think from what I was reading, you've been playing music for 15 or so years, right? Over a decade now.
1: I technically started before that, but I would say that, you know, over the last 15 years was when I made my Without Warning album in 2007. So I made it with the the intention of shopping around to get a record deal. And of course, as we finished it, the, the record industry took a nosedive. Because that was right, like right around then was also around like the housing crash, like the industries everywhere were just like up in smoke. And I looked at my producer and engineer and I was like, shoot, what do I do now? And they go, well, you tour. That's what I started doing. But again, I started playing guitar probably 24 years ago.
0: Was this something you were brought up on as a child or it's just you picked your own interest?
1: I mean, I started acting when I was six. I didn't start playing guitar until about 14. And that was like around the time that, and I'm going to date myself, around the time that Kurt Cobain died. And I was really into the grunge music scene. But when he died and there was this uh, this kid at my school that did like a week of silence, this kid was the biggest slacker. He was in a band, so he was like the cool kid. But he did not apply himself at anything. So to watch him have that kind of a reaction, I don't know, it it, it struck it a core memory for me I think we think about things in like a very you know esoteric way when we're teenagers more so than adults yeah. but for me it was like wow music is so powerful look what it did to this kid it was then that I saw this guitar that had been sitting in the corner of my apartment with you know that would belong to my mom it'd been there my entire life yeah. I just never saw it until around that time
0: I was actually listening to your discography all morning and a little bit yesterday love the security record it's so good. Disaster. Brilliant song, um, i got to say. So you're doing quite well, all things considered. Well, thank <laughs> you. Enough, you do have a new record coming out next year. You've got a new song coming out. So let's chat about it. It's, you've signed a new record or well, your first record deal, which complete mind blowing. How does that feel, first of all? Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it, you know, it feels good. It feels, I guess, for, you know, in one sense, it feels validating. But at the same time, like, it hasn't necessarily changed anything that I'm doing. I've been here doing it all along and been enjoying the journey. It's exciting that, you know, to have a company say, hey, we like what you're doing and we want to get involved. That's really cool. And it also opens up the door to get back and tour Europe again, which I haven't, outside of the UK, I haven't toured in Europe for probably about 10 years. Um, so I'm excited about that.
0: And to kick that off, you've got your, your first new single of all the others you've worked on.
1: Yeah, it's funny, too, because the the way that the seventh album started, I had done a bunch of lockdown singles, as I call them, about nine of them to keep my head sort of straight during the, that time period. I remember the last one caught the attention of Ace Enders. So really, the first song that I wrote for this album is a song that I wrote with Ace Enders, and it's definitely going to still be on the record. My plan was I was just going to take the nine singles and be like, here's an album, you know, because that everyone's like, you know, you, need, you don't need an album anymore. Just release singles. Hmm. But at that, that point, I'd already lived with them for so long. And Ace was like, hey, I, I see where you're going with this like most recent release. and I want to write with you. It was then that it kind of dawned on me. I was like, OK, well, what if I scrap all, all those? They've already been out. And I just write a record with my friends that are in other bands and do these collabs. Really, I thought that would be the first single is that one. Then when I got the record deal and s was asking me who I wanted to bring in to produce it, I had 3 people in mind and I told my friend Taylor Carroll about it. He says, "Oh, well, I want to do it." And I said, "Okay, well, I'll put your name in the hat." He goes, "Okay, what are you doing on, you know, Monday, which is like 3 days away?" I'm like, "Uh, nothing." He says, "We'll come into the studio. Let's like just try it out and see what happens." Mm-hmm. 6 hours later, we wrote this song that has probably more energy than my previous 6 albums combined. As soon as the song was done like 6 hours in, I just go, the job's yours, man. You're producing the record. There's no question.
0: Yeah, right. Why do you feel there was like a different energy? Was it just clicking?
1: Yeah, it just was clicking. It was just was fun and easy and and fast. And Taylor and I, we've been friends for a couple of years now. And we've been talking about writing for a while. But with, you know, his touring schedule with Lit and Chemical Fire and my touring schedule. And then when I'm home and with my kids, you know, it's like just a whole thing. So it was sort of this, you know, a long time coming moment that happened and with Taylor being a, uh, you know, a drummer, you know, the rhythmic portion of, of the song, it's a different approach than than I would have thought of, uh, of it. I can't think in the terms that he plays. And that's why so, you travel
0: took- so well together.
1: It, it's always a good partnership when like you have different strengths than the people that you're working with. I think that it was the type of thing where Taylor kind of just had this idea of what, what he wanted to push the, the sound toward And he kind of describes it perfectly because every song that we're doing, it's pop punk and probably more pop punk than my previous stuff, which, you know, security albums kind of indie. The previous stuff's kind of grunge and 90s alternative. So this is more pop punk. But at the same time, it's also the like feels the most authentic.
0: Hmm.
2: It
1: just feels like it's a it's an extension of me because the feeling that I get and this is going to sound really weird, but. The feeling that I get listening to these songs is like the feeling that I try to give to other people, to my friends and to people that enjoy my work. It's sort of like, you know, just my energy. And I I can kind of just sense that for the first time.
0: Yeah, and, and do you feel like you've achieved that with this record?
1: I, I, it's coming along. I mean, we're, we're still writing mm-hmm. it. So the sec- we've got the second single done. That'll come out December 1st. And then obviously I have the songs that I've already collabed on with Ace Enders and Jarrett Reddick and Matthew Kennedy. Those are just in demo form. We just haven't like thrown them through the uh, the Taylor Carroll wash and go.
0: Do you feel like yourself has changed at all in this process? Like, it seems like you've learned quite a lot just from working in collaboration at the moment.
1: Actually, for my songwriting process, it's become more of what I do in my acting stuff with improv. You know, with improv, there's these rules, right? Um, you know, you never you never ask a question, you you always provide a statement. You don't deny anything that's been created into the scene, so you just add on top of that. And so I finally kind of pushed those rules of my improv into my writing sessions, sort of subconsciously. But it's made the process more fun, and there's not there's not a stopping point like a there's no square wheels.
0: And and tomorrow's gonna Hurt is uh, appropriately a good title for, for one of your first singles. Um, what are you trying to say exactly? With the, top- um,
1: the what we're what we're basically trying to say with it is there's a self awareness of you know when you're when you're out having a good time with your friends you are going to trade something for that fun and and in my case it's typically I'm trading sleep and I know that uh, you know if I have have responsibilities the next day that I still have to do those things regardless of how tired, or I, t- tired I am or how I feel. And that's the trade-off. Because I'm also like, amongst my friends, I'm sort of the last person to leave any event. Whenever I'm anywhere and that's the place I want to be, like I don't want to be anywhere else. So people, if, they have, if they've had me over at their house, they kind of have to kick me out. I'm the last man standing. <laughs> um, I've often had had some painful days in regard to that i'm very well aware that i do it to myself and that's what the song is kind of about it knowing that you're what your faults are and just going well these are my faults oh well this is what's going to happen let's go
0: and is there any thing left out of the song that you wanted to include because it seems like it's got everything you wanted it says all about you it's got your lyrically it's got the sound is there anything you wanted to include, but you didn't?
1: No, there, there wasn't. In fact, we had written so many parts to the tune that we were getting to the part where, you know, the bridge would go. And I said, well, that first pre-chorus was so good. Let's just throw that in again, because I want to hear that again, as opposed to writing, you know, a brand new bridge. It's kind of fun to break the rules a little bit here and there.
0: You're still learning through the process. Is, do you have more to say? Or?
1: I try to, to keep in mind, like, what, my what I'm sort of known for or like what I want people to think of me what I want my reputation to be so in that regard I try not to cross those lines and just for the sake of shock value I leave that more for the character acting character leads that that I that I play where I can be someone outside of myself and surprise people in a different way but music is very much an extension of who I am in real life. I try to keep the parameters of what I'm writing to stay within that realm and not be not be weird or outside of myself.
0: No, absolutely. And what better way to say who you are than literally naming the band after yourself?
1: <laughs> That's mainly because I couldn't think of a of a good band name. <laughs> like I tried to think of something cool and I just couldn't. So I was like, well, Steve Miller did it. Dave Matthews did it. It works for them. Just, you know, add band to the end of my name. We're good to go.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know listeners can't say this, but I feel like Underdeveloped is a good band name as well.
1: <laughs> it, could, it could be. I, although, you know, that is, of course, only a new name for my new TV show, which is playing in Australia uh, on Tubi. And I think, I don't know if you saw my recent interview with one of the morning shows over there, after that interview, I talked about how my grandmother, who was born in Fremantle, always was, you know, a supporter of, you know, Ned Kelly and, and always said that there was some sort of understanding that we had a relation to Ned Kelly's family. And after I did that interview, I talked about it, I got a Facebook message. So now I've identified the actual family tree of how I'm related to Ned Kelly. And so as it turns out, <laughs> Ned Kelly's dad had a sibling and that sibling if you follow that tree down it gets it gets to my my grandmother and her sisters it's a cousin basis but i'll take it i still think it's cool to have any kind of lineage with ned kelly
0: i love that he's he's an iconic australian so either way for sure look, um, are there any plans to come to australia for touring
1: i have been trying to work out a tour in mm-hmm. australia for as long as i can remember I i got very close in about 2015 And there's a band out there called Cambridge, I believe, that was on like the Australian Warp Tour. When my best friend was over there with his band, he met them and he's like, oh, you got to meet these guys. You got to go on the road with them. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to revisit it again. I think actually my friend Matt Stocks, who we've done, we were just on the Emo's Not Dead cruise last year and did some fun stuff with Bowling for Soup last year and we've got a a european tour in germany in march he's moving to australia so i was like dude if you're moving to australia you gotta figure out a way for me to get a tour over there so i'm hoping that gets to happen you know maybe maybe like a year from now maybe it'll finally happen
0: Uh, after your record's out and it's you know it's in everyone's head there'll be a clamoring for you to arrive i think
1: (laughs) there we go from from your mouth to god's ears thank you for that. That's it.
2: left i don't have a ride. Right. i can't text because i left my phone inside and i don't want to come back Not fair I just don't care Right now It's gonna be a Late night